You are listening to Pangea Cast, the digital voice of Pangea Church in Seattle, Washington. We are a church that follows in the way of Jesus to inspire others in the way of love. Visit us in person on Sundays or online at seattlepangea.com. We are jumping into part two of a series called I Pray. And when we say I Pray, especially in light of today's topic, we're being a little facetious and ironic because it is never just I who pray, right? Like, like prayer by its nature is always communal. Even if you are like inside a closet by yourself and you are praying, you cannot pray to the air, right? It is always a we, it's always an experience of you and another. And that's Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, right? But, but then there's this other layer that as the church, like as the people of God, you are always part of this network of people who share in the same spirit, who share in the same baptism, who have the same Lord, and you are part of this cosmic network of people from past, present, and by God's grace, future, right? And I say by God's grace, future, you heard that the planet's dying this week in multiple reports, I'm pretty sure, right? But, but future, right? And, and we are part of this thing that historically the Christian church is called the communion of the saints. And, and, and it is a beautiful sort of situation. When we pray, uh, when I pray, it's actually we who are praying. And so I want to step into that in a very focused way this morning. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, because we had a break last week, um, you might remember that we talked about all of life being a space within which we are praying beings, and that, that God has wired us to connect with the transcendent reality that we see in Jesus of Nazareth. And, and that being part of our DNA, it is, it is impossible to not be by nature wired for prayer. However, there's this step that has to happen in our lives. And the step is saying, I'm not only going to be wired in the way that attunes me to God, but I'm going to actually allow myself to be attuned to God. And there's this step where we say that now, now I am not just going to be a passive spectator of this cosmic reality where God is king and God is friend and God is love, I'm going to actually step into it and look and gaze at the face of Jesus as best I can. And that looks different for a lot of us. You know, a lot of us have different ways that we do this. Um, some of you are like, I, you just love praying. You know what I mean? Like classical prayer people, and you got a journal, and you're like, if, if you could get a warrior badge for your prayers, like you would have a badge. Like if we had church merit badges, yeah, that would be the big one on your sash. I would have a guy with glasses, and you would have prayer warrior. You know, like that would be like, and I, and I would be like, you, like I just need to hang out with you. Can you bless me? Can you pray for all of my many min- <laughs> minuscule elements of like, I have a cold, just fix it because you got the gift. I don't, yeah, it'd be awesome. And, 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 and there's different ways that we pray and experience God. And what I loved about Lizzie's video is the honesty that the formulas that people often impose on us or the formulas we accidentally impose on ourselves for what prayer is and isn't, they can cause a lot of shame and guilt because the, the purpose at its base the purpose at the bottom of what prayer is, 
is that you are designed to know Jesus Christ. That's it. Like that, 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 so, so, so if, if you want to know what prayer is, what is it that helps you communicate with Jesus? That is it. That looks vastly different for different people. I know people who, when they are in a space of like creativity, there is some deep personal sort of like interaction happening with God. And yes, maybe there's thoughts that are flowing through their art or whatever they're creating, but there is something sacred about that space. And for them, it is prayer. There are folks who love, you know, coming to church, saying the prayers, the, the liturgical stuff. It's like, oh, there's this like script that just gives voice to things that I don't know how to give voice to. There's some people who have gifts that are supernatural, right? Like, like tongues and, and this ability, which is so like, what is that for some people, right? Like, like, so some people actually pray in a way that may feel or seem ecstatic. Other people have prayer books that they just follow and they are very helpful, right? So there's all kinds of things that people do that will qualify for them as prayer, but my guess is that if you've been to church for a long time, like this is not your first rodeo, you know what I mean? Like this ain't your first church. Um, if it is, it's amazing because we've only been here for like three years. So like, wow, right? But if this is not your first church, you've been in other settings and maybe even in ours where prayer felt weird. And there's this really good comedian who... Um, I don't know. Did I cue up the clip? I just remembered. Good. Yeah. So, so there's this really great comedian named Michael Jr. Have you, any of you ever heard him live? He, he showed up at a conference like 10 years ago that I was at and I was like, this guy's a Christian comedian because they're usually terrible, like the worst. Like I, I just, you know, and, and so, so I, I just remember being enamored by him and I was doing like a little search for like prayer and community and stuff and what that's like for people. And this clip, the digital quality, I'm going to admit, is terrible. But as far as what he says, just track with it for a minute. It's just a couple of minutes long here. Is it there? Okay, so if you go, okay, I'm going to keep saying stuff. We're going to come right back to this. It's actually in that folder, that shared folder, um, but like in the first stage of that shared folder, and you can just drag it in. That is my problem. Um, and so we're going to watch that, and, and once we get to that, um, you'll understand where I was going. But, but here's, here's what I've come to know and what I think he's going to get to the heart of, that prayer is weird even like no matter what your experience has been. Some kind of prayer is going to be weird to you. So like if you're someone who grew up in a uh, very like traditional sort of environment, you can do liturgy all day long. You know what I mean? Like, like you could just like, yeah, I know when to stand up, sit down, you know, and you're like getting your squats. It's like P90X at church, right? And you're, you're doing the thing and you're like, I got to make sure shoulders length apart, make sure my knees don't go, uh, you know, beyond my front toes. I'm going to just like sit down. Yes, Lord. Uh-huh, amen, amen, right? And then, and then if you're really liturgical, right, you get into the kneeler and you're like, you know, holy. And it's awesome, right? And all of these things are intuitive. Or, or maybe, maybe like you love when you're at a home with like five other people and just naturally and organically, you're just like, let's pray right now, you know? 
and you've, you've just been hanging out, and it's just been like, oh, uh, like, what are we going to pray about? I don't know. We just want to pray. And it's super, like, almost hippie-ish, you know? Like, have you been in these? I, I have. I, I, these are spaces where I used to thrive in college, like, super organic, and we would just pray our hearts out. My buddy had this apartment on the top floor of this uh, neighborhood, this very, like, urban, sort of hip, hip neighborhood in Fresno. It, it's not really that hip because it's in Fresno, but um, for us... It was like the, sorry, this thing is being weird. Uh, it was like the cool place, if there was one. And we would just be up there, we'd have a guitar, someone would be singing, and we'd be praying our hearts out. And God did some amazing things in that setting. You know, and so all of these settings, all of these spaces are, are gifts. And, and what is common about my, at least my experiences in prayer that have been the most powerful have often been that even if it was like an individual sort of experience or moment, it's usually been in the context of other people. It's usually been in the context of community. And so one of the things that I think I want to say here is that one person's baggage is another person's freedom when it comes to prayer. And that, that's the hard part of community. Like, if we were going to get to the bottom line, and by the way, I'm quoting Jen Schaefer right there. I'm not, this is not original to me. This is actually Jen just said it so succinctly this week. And I just stole that. I ripped that off because it was that good. But it's so true that one person's baggage is another person's freedom. And one of the things that's hard about being part of a church is that reality. Have you ever been to a prayer experience and you walked away thoroughly annoyed? And you don't even know, like, and you're like, I shouldn't be annoyed. They were so sincere. Like, they were so, like, this is a big deal to them, you know? But they just annoyed you. Like, maybe they just said, oh, yes, Lord, too much for you or something. You know, like, just things that shouldn't even bother us, but just bother, you know, yeah. See, that's one of the the challenges of a community of prayer is stepping in with all of the stuff we bring to it, the good, the bad, the beautiful. I'm not going to say the ugly because I believe there's things that are beautiful. What's the story? Negative? All right. It's not in the folder? What? The link is a picture. Oh, no, there's actually a, a video. Sorry, guys, this is super awkward. There's actually a video, because I really want to show it. It's that good. Um, there's actually a video, an MP4 video file in the first folder of that whole situation. Um, and if it's uh, there, you, you can find it. So I, again, I usually slide it in, and this is totally my fault. I've never had this happen. I promise I'm more professional than this. Um, but I have my hotspot on if you have to sync it to drive like I'm just gonna make this happen because usually like in a in a sermon I'd be like ah it's all good but honestly I just really want to show you that clip and so (laughs) we'll fit it in and I'll make it feel like it was planned the way it's gonna be fit in okay and if it doesn't work out it's all good um and eventually my headpiece is also gonna fit so so one of those one of the challenges is in fact that it is diverse but if we really think about it Multi-voiced prayer expressions shape a shared vision of reality, and that's something that's a gift. So like maybe you bring something to a community that someone else doesn't, 
And that, that's the whole like body of Christ, body of Jesus, like that's the whole prayer thing. And so one of the reasons we wanted to do this series is to give voice to the variety of voices. And, and one of the things that really matters here is that there are voices in a community like ours that are unrepresented. And so to also say, what other voices can we learn from? Like what other expressions of gospel community can we learn from? And, and I'm seeing smirks. Not, not in that first folder at all. None of the folders? What? What? Well, what are we going to do about this? Except say, you know what? It's the Lord's will or something. I could perform it. I, um, have you ever seen the episode of The Office where Michael has the... The, the day where he basically tries to perform a Chris Rock thing and they have to have the whole racial, like, yeah. It's not a good idea for this. Look at me for a moment. It is a bad idea for me to try and perform this particular uh, sketch because it would not be a gift to the world. Um, um, and so, that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Well, I... I owe you. I thoroughly owe you. And I'm actually, you know what I'm doing? I'm playing cheater and I'm looking at the file right now to make sure that I'm thoroughly wrong. Have you ever just wanted to not be wrong? Um, like I'm just thinking about like my, my own spiritual life right now and I just don't want to be wrong. Um, yeah, so we're going we're gonna to watch it later. I promise to queue it up in this series. It'll, it applies almost every time, so it's all good. One of the things that you learn in community is that you don't have to have it all together. And that's what we're learning in real time right now. And um, we're going to learn that a little more this morning, but I think maybe that's the illustration we can take. So we're going to step further, though, into this. So like, like this vision of community and prayer has also to do with the voices are different, the experiences are different. And for some reason, that is by design. That is what God dreams of. And here's what's also profound to me, that the words that we say to and about God also shape our imagination for God. And when I say the word imagination, what I don't mean is fake. I mean that space within your soul where you see things differently than is right in front of you. The imagination is actually one of the greatest gifts that God built into us. And I've shared this before, but I, I want to share it again. The movie The Help just really, like when you talk about words and imagination being shaped in a particular kind of way, this movie just is so profound. Do you remember the movie The Help? And you remember, oh man, Abilene Clark just like speaking truth into this little girl that was just horrendously treated by her parents. She would tell her all the time, you was kind, you was smart, you was important. I guarantee, whatever the outcome of that little girl, that words like that make an impact. Actually, I would say I'm, I'm proof of that. Maybe you are. Maybe you can remember a time in your life where, where maybe you had a story that was being told about you to you that you were owning, and then someone stepped into your life 
and said, no, 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 that story isn't the full story. Let me tell you a little bit more of what I see. Maybe you've had that experience with Jesus. Like, like Jesus steps in and says, no, 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 let me, let me tell you what I see. That's what community does as well. It helps to shape a shared imagination, a shared experience of God. And I really want to hammer home this uh, idea of shared prayer this morning, community prayer this morning. And so I'm going to open our time here. Um, well, I've kind of opened with a bunch of random unplanned jokes, but I'm going to move our time here first into the Lord's Prayer, then into a story, and that's how we're going to wrap up our time together. And the Lord's Prayer, which we will pray, we, we pray this every, every week together. I'm going to do this. There we go. We pray this each week. Has multiple versions. You've memorized it maybe different ways, but what, what is so beautiful about it is how Jesus says it. Listen to the words. Our Father who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. You see, I underlined the word our, and it's really, really important. Jesus gets asked in Luke's version, we looked at this the first round of this series, he gets asked, Jesus, like, show us how to pray. Like John's disciples, they know how to pray, but we want to know the Jesus way to pray. And so Jesus is like, okay, let's break this down. And in Matthew's version of that prayer, it's very interesting to me that Jesus says, our Father. Now, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, one of the ideas I introduced, it wasn't a theological concept, more of a prayer and imagination, sort of like stretching us concept, is to imagine how we look at the gospel's in a different kind of way. And to imagine that every bit of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are actually living prayer documents. And that when you're looking at the gospel story, what you're actually observing is people interacting with the God of the universe revealed in Jesus of Nazareth. And so when Mary and Martha are trying to host Jesus, they're not just in a very human situation because they are, and we very much affirm the humanity of Jesus, right? But if we were to just take, take the curtain back a little bit and spiritualize just a little bit, we also see that in that moment they are praying to the God of the universe and may not even recognize completely that they are praying to the God of the universe because all prayer is is communion, discussion, conversation with Jesus of Nazareth. They just had the interesting predicament of God being in a flesh and bone sort of here sort of situation. We saw this in the story of Lazarus getting raised from the dead. And, and it was a fascinating thing because what we observed is that if you take this layered approach to the gospels, again, this is a spiritual reading. This isn't like to form any sort of like theological conclusions. But, but if we were to take this sort of approach, you can imagine that if, if the gospels on one layer are a prayer document, 
then what you get sometimes is like prayer within prayers. And, and we talked about the movie Inception and how interesting this gets, right? Like they have dreams within dreams in the movie Inception. Then they also have this one crazy scenario, which is a dream within a dream within a dream. And in the gospels, sometimes we have prayers within prayers. In other words, it's like, here's a prayer that Jesus is doing, an action of prayer that Jesus is doing, a prayer within a prayer. And then there's a moment or two where Jesus is not only like praying within a prayer document, we'll say, but there's this other step that happens where he actually models the prayer. So it's almost like there's this third step into prayer. And this is that third sort of step here. He is experiencing prayer himself. He is the one who is prayed to in a weird sense, right? And again, this breaks down at some point. But he is modeling prayer and he is joining with his disciples in that process. It is an hour moment. I wanna tease this out, but the big idea here is that it's our father, not my father, and, and that should, in some mysterious way, change everything for us. And, and, and why it should change everything for us is because of the culture we grew up in. We grew up believing that prayer is about me, my, and then I pray for others. And sometimes we have prayer gatherings, right? But if we take Jesus's model as the paradigm for all prayer, we see that at the heart of Jesus's model is an our, not a my, a we, not an I, and it's throughout the whole prayer. I mean, it's, it's fascinating because for Jesus, the kingdom is a collective. For Jesus, this idea of community, it is a collective movement. It is not a personal individual movement. It is personal insofar that you have chosen to identify with this big thing called Christian community that Jesus is setting up. So it is both personal and communal, but maybe we should say it's never private. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you get all kinds of weird glimpses of this. For instance, if you were to think about this, uh, he, he prays like, give us this day our daily bread. That's one version. I, it's not the version I read because I don't have that one memorized, but that, anyway, modern translation. Um, and, and, and in the daily bread, like, can you imagine for a moment Jesus is saying, hey, here's how you pray to this sort of broad, sweeping group of human beings that are hanging out with him on the mountain. Some are rich, some are poor. And he asks all of them to pray for daily bread. Not just one of them. Hey, you who are wealthy in this crowd, pray for your daily bread. You who are poor in this crowd, by all means, pray for your daily bread. You know what I mean? And in that moment, in that even simple moment, and there's multiple moments like this in this prayer, you see two diverse experiences of human life intersecting in prayer in that moment. The person with lots now has to recognize that a sister or brother has very little. The person with very little now is elevated to the space of the person with a lot because they, they say the same prayer. They have the same sort of need because at the end of the day, nothing good 
comes unless, I, I want to say this correctly, at the end of the day, what is good comes from God. Now, I was trying to sort this out, right? Like, I was thinking about like a story where the power of collective prayer was a big deal. Because we, we can talk about this all the time. Like, we could just be like, oh, prayer is in community. So let's pray in community. That's why we come to church. Right? I could even use it as a, a very good tool, right? Like, I could be like, here's why you come to church on Sunday mornings, because you've got to pray with other people, right? Like, I could, I could preach that like a, like a crazy person. And, and it, you, you'd all be like, oh, yeah. No, you wouldn't. You would actually, like, oh, salesy. That's weird, right? But, but you know what I mean? Like, like, there is ways to use this concept. But, but what's it really about? It's not about attending church enough, although I think there's parts of it that, you know, our church should aid in this. I think there's something more. I think the prayer that happens in the context of community is earth-shattering at times. And I don't know if you've experienced this before, if what we're going to talk about for the next five to ten minutes is going to be weird to you, or you're going to be like, whoa, I've never had that happen, but... I could like experience, I can go back to a part of my life where we were praying with this group of people and something crazy happened that blew our minds. Well, there's a story in the book of Acts and now you're like, okay, yeah, of course, it's in the book of Acts. So it's gonna be crazy, right? So, so there's this story in the book of Acts and in the Acts of the Apostles, we, we get this situation where, where two of them, you know, Peter and John, they're out and about and they heal someone. And people don't like that they're healing in the name of Jesus and they're preaching, right? And they're still in um, Jerusalem at this point. And uh, so they go to jail, as one does for being very helpful, right? And so, so they go to jail and, and then eventually they get released. And there's a whole interesting story. If you want to read the entire story, just go to Acts chapter 4, read it all the way through. It's super fascinating. But but what happens after the release is what I want to talk about for the next couple of moments with y'all. I said, y'all, like yeah, I could. This is Acts 4, 23 and following. It says, after their release, Peter and John returned to the brothers and sisters and reported everything the chief priests and elders had said. By the way, they basically say, don't preach about Jesus. You're done with that. And they're like, yeah, we can't stop. And then they still get out. It's pretty cool. They listened, then lifted their voices in unison to God. Master, you are the one who created the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything in them. I'm going to pause there and we're going to come back to this prayer. But notice what, what, what they just said. They listened to their report. Then they lifted their voices in unison to God. In unison. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. Like, are they literally like all saying the exact same prayer and they just knew these words because they were like ingrained within them? I think part of this prayer, at least that's the case. And we'll talk about that for a moment. But, but somehow they're, like it says in other parts of Acts, like they were in one accord and we're not talking about a Honda. Like we're, we're talking about like this sense of like we're together in this. And so they pray this prayer, Master, you were the one who created the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You were the one who spoke 
by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers gathered together as one against the Lord and against his Christ. Indeed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with Gentiles and Israelites did gather in this city against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and plan had already determined would happen. Now, Lord, take note of their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with complete confidence. Stretch out your hand to bring healing and enable signs and wonders to be performed through the name of Jesus with uh, who is your holy servant. After they prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking God's word with confidence. I want to read verse 31 one more time because it would be very easy just to kind of pass this up. Like, oh, that sounds really neat and and, and not do anything with it. I, I want to really do something with it. After they prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. I didn't take time to look up the Greek of this, but I can tell you probably what it means, shaken. Um, <laughs> something literally shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking God's word with confidence. When they prayed together in this very unique situation, granted, the love and energy and power and beauty of God through the presence of the Spirit did something in that room that had to be released and it caused a room to literally shake. I don't know if you can imagine the, the whole like situation, but your friends have been imprisoned for something you believe happened several weeks back. Think about this for a moment, right? right? We're not talking 2,000 year gap. Like we all have this 2,000 year gap and it's really hard to identify with what's going on. But, but like, like these folks, they're like, we saw Jesus executed and we thought he was dead. Then we saw Jesus after he was executed and we we're like, I thought you were dead. And then Jesus hung around for a while and they were still like, aren't you supposed to be dead? Right? And then he ascended into God's space of reality, heaven, right? And then they're like, oh yeah, no, he's not dead after all. <laughs> and then your friends get arrested for being honest about the beautiful, crazy thing that just happened like a few weeks ago. That's, that's awesome, right? Like, think about that. And we're not talking 2,000 years, gang. We're talking like a few... It's like, yeah, you know, I know it's fall right now, but at the beginning of summer, this thing happened. Like, that's, that's what we're talking about. It's ridiculous. And so their friends get arrested for telling the truth. And, and they're like, you know what? Isn't it kind of rad that they got arrested for something that's so awesome? Like, like, they don't have a concept of being like more, like, it's like, oh, it's happening here. 
And so when they pray, they expect that the walls are going to shake. They expect that something beautiful is going to happen. They expect that suffering doesn't matter in light of the reality they've stepped into with God. Whew. That is prayer for them. And, and so if this story feels foreign, just try and step into like the re- real situation. Like if you all like who are here who believe that this stuff actually happened, imagine witnessing it and seeing people suffer for it and then seeing them released from jail and just praising Jesus together. And things start shaking. It's not that far-fetched. Someone just raised from the dead last spring or whatever, Right? It's awesome, wild, and weird. And as Christians, we endorse that idea, by the way. That's so weird. And here's what is happening. In these communal spaces of prayer, communal prayer is cultivating a renewed imagination for what is actually real. What you thought was real last season turned out not to be real and something new is actually real and together we're going to proclaim that. We're going to connect with Jesus through that reality. That's prayer. Believing that a reality has happened that alters everything else. And you're invited to commune with the one who made it all happen, Jesus himself. With a bunch of people. That's prayer. And I, I just think about this. And I think about like the way prayer is like a chore. And honestly, gang, like it's a chore to me sometimes. And I think of the way prayer has at times been guilt-inducing, like I just don't do it enough. Or something. And, and, and yeah, sometimes I've felt that in my life. And I think of like, you know, maybe I, I, I need to be better at my, my devotional life. Like four in the morning, I wake up, I have my Folgers, which that's a terrible way to start your morning. And, 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 and I am, I'm just like candlelight, Bible, prayer journal, and I don't even know what I'm writing, but it's so good because it's prayer journaling, and I'm, you know, and yeah, sometimes, maybe, sort of, kind of, but prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is the thing that gives voice to the communal imagination that you have stepped into being a part of, that has been spanning for 2,000 years, that says something irrational happened last season that changes everything about this season. Reality has been altered. Things ought to shake. This morning as we wrap up this conversation, what we've been trying to do with each of these talks is say, okay, so what sort of practice, like what what is something we can do together that models what we're talking about, right? Because one of the things we become really convinced about is that talking about prayer is good, but actually praying is probably what we're invited to, right? And so you maybe remember a couple weeks ago, we, we had a pause and a moment of sort of like imaginative prayer where we were inviting Jesus to show us a week and what it would look like with him in it. And, and this week, what I want to do is do something that's quite a bit different. 
One of the ways that Christians for generations have identified and prayed together is through liturgy. Now, if you are a part of Pangea, it's highly possible that liturgy was new to you when you showed up, and you may have had all kinds of different reactions to it. Um, you came thinking, man, these guys are like Mennonites. What's, what's all this, like, words and things? And it's weird, you know? Or, or maybe you, you like, were like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm at home because at my Methodist church, we did some liturgy. Or, or maybe you were Episcopalian or, or even Catholic growing up, and there was something, like, familiar about it. And maybe for others, you're like, ugh, ugh. I know so many people who used to be those strands of the tradition of Christianity, but then they got really saved or really like, because those things were like shackles to their spiritual journey with Jesus, ritualism and all that stuff. And you might remember what we said earlier about one person's baggage is another person's freedom. And I want to maybe just give voice to why I think liturgy is freedom for many of us. And it's not as though I'm saying the only kind of corporate prayer we want to do is this. It's actually just to say, here's one way that we know we can corporately pray together. It's interesting. We, we looked at this story, right? And, and you probably noticed, uh, well, maybe you did. There's this like quote in the middle of the story and right underneath it in like the smallest font ever, right? Kind of like the fine print. I put quoted from Psalm or Psalm 2. From the earliest days, even before Jesus was on the scene, the Jewish and Christian tradition have had this idea that saying words to God with other people about God shapes their imagination for God together. And so throughout the generations, different prayers have been written and fixed. Oftentimes, it's just passages from the the Psalms, like we see in this situation. And what people have noticed over 2,000 years of this is that in its best form, it brings a community together around God in a beautiful, helpful way. In its worst form, it's dead, it's legalistic, it's uninspired, it's not worth our time, you know. But here's what I think is fascinating. Neuroscientists, people who studied the brain, have actually caught up to liturgy. And that's why it's so interesting to me. Because what they've discovered in science is that what your thoughts are, are, are kind of giving voice to actually wires your brain and creates habits in your life, creates patterns of thinking in your life, causes things to fire, now I'm being very unscientific, causes things to fire together and then wire together, right? And creates pathways to new views of reality. I have this quote really quick, and then I want to actually step into some of this. This is from a book called Words Can Change Your Brain. I shared it one time a couple of years ago, so if you've heard it, hopefully you you remember, and it's helpful today as well, from Andrew Newberg and Mark Robert Waldman. It says, By changing the way you use language, you change your consciousness, and that in turn influences every thought, feeling, behavior in your life. The human brain is incredibly creative, and it dreams up positive and negative scenarios all day long. Repetitious patterns of thinking form strong neural pathways that are highly resistant to change. 
That's why we have to continually impose new styles of thinking, speaking, and listening to get new neural circuits to form. That's the power of imagination. It can trap us in a spiral of negative thoughts, or we can use it to change decades of habituated behaviors that no longer serve us well. All this is, I mean, it's, I'm being really simplistic and not fair to science, but all this is, I'm just going to say it, is they caught up to liturgy. They caught up to Paul, who's like, you know, think about good, beautiful, and lovely things, right? Think about these things. Like, like they just caught up. And so I want to invite us to liturgy, and I want to share something extremely personal about liturgy for me. Have you ever had a moment, as we transition into this, have you ever had a moment where you didn't have words for your experience because they were that hard? That's been my week. I wish I could tell you why. I can't. Even if you're like my best friend in this room, I can't tell you. I wish I could. I'm not allowed to for the sake of the other people it involves. But I've had one of the worst weeks of my life in a very long time. That's it. And I, stepping into this liturgy, personally am stepping in with people that I love and trust because I haven't really known how to pray this week. I'm hoping this gives voice to some of that be honest. I'm kind of a mess, to be really honest with you. And yet, I believe that our Father sees us, sees whatever mess you find yourself in, that our Father loves us, that our Father gives of himself through Jesus. Jesus.